Years ago, there were some popular commercials on TV which were titled Real Men of Genius. And those commercials poked fun at men. And if you never saw the commercials, or if you don't remember them, the guys in the commercials were certainly not real geniuses. In fact, they were quite the opposite. And as I was thinking about Pastor David and his licensure celebration this morning, those commercials came to mind. Now, before the wheels start turning, let me say this. Pastor David is not like the real men of genius in those commercials. Pastor Davis really is a man of genius. But those commercials reminded me of something that happened several years back. And this is a true, real story of real men of genius. My real men of genius story began with a company that happened to be installing new underground cables in our neighborhood. And I'm sure these guys were competent, but they had a string of bad events. The first day of their misadventure began with their underground drilling machinery on my front lawn. They drilled under a driveway with no apparent problems. In fact, I was impressed with the minimal amount of damage they did to my lawn. The second day, it didn't go as well. I was off that day and I was working in my backyard and I began to smell the odor of natural gas. And, and I went out front to see what was up and the cable installers were still down the street working and they didn't seem to be alarmed and one of them even walked past me up the street, looked at me, but said nothing. Well, I went back to the backyard, but a few minutes later, the gas smell was even stronger. A neighbor was walking up the street with his dogs and I asked him what was up and he said in a, a slightly frantic voice, they hit the gas line, we're supposed to evacuate. By the time I rounded up my two dogs to leave the house, two fire engines, an ambulance, and a police car had arrived. There were lots of sirens and flashing lights. The firemen looked pretty tense. Within about 10 minutes, Laclede Gas, as it was known back then, showed up and shut off the leak. Fortunately, there was no fire and no explosions. A neighbor shared a conversation he overheard between the workers just before they hit that gas line. A younger worker said to the guy that was operating the drilling equipment, he said, be careful, you're getting kind of close to the gas line. The guy on the drilling rig didn't trust his advice. He dismissed the young man saying, I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. And that is when he hit the gas line. Well, it doesn't end there. After the gas line event, the workers didn't show back up for a couple more weeks. But when they did return that day, our power went off. Apparently, their drilling rig hit the underground electric cable. To restore our power, Ameren actually installed a huge, heavy gray extension cord across a neighbor's driveway. It was there for a couple months before it was finally reinstalled underground. The next day, the drilling guys hit a sewer line coming out of a neighbor's house. I wasn't home, but I was told it really smelled, and it resulted in a visit by MSD and also a visit by the EPA. And I should add that the day that they hit the sewer line, their equipment cracked a neighbor's driveway. The drilling company had to pay for a new driveway. And then to put a grand finish on their work, the last thing that these guys hit was the cable line that they were installing. Now, without being too critical, these guys clearly had a couple of issues. 
First, they were entrusted with a job that they totally botched. And second, their actions didn't suggest that they had a strength of character. But I think we'd all agree they certainly were characters. The good news, though, is eventually the work was completed and the neighbor's driveway repaired. I think if we're honest, we have all had times where we felt like a real man or woman of genius. In other words, we're all capable of being knuckleheads. Some of us are expert knuckleheads. You can just ask my wife about me. And the fact is, is we don't need a sermon, a message to teach us how to be a better knucklehead. We've got knuckleheadism down to a science. So instead this morning, we're going to focus on something more challenging. It's more challenging and far, far better to be a real man or woman of God. Real men and women of God are leaders. Just a few minutes ago, we read from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And in this letter, and specifically in this passage, the Apostle Paul was teaching his young protege, Timothy, concerning leadership in the church. And Paul's words are still very relevant today. They're helpful to pastors like David and me. But they're also useful to all men and women in the church. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul wrote, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, the first thing we notice about real men and women of God is they understand how grace gives strength. Paul was saying, Timothy, your power comes from grace, and grace comes from Jesus. Grace, we know, is the free, undeserved gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Grace is a blessing which restores our relationship with God. Grace not only saves us from the punishment our sins deserve, but it also gives us strength to do God's work. See, grace can be like an overflowing cup. In John 1.16, we read, And from him, um, and from Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. James 4, 6 reads, but God gives us more grace. We have no shortage of grace. We can have a shortage of strength. When Paul wrote, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, his words were in something called the present passive. And the present passive means that Paul's command was continuous. Our being strengthened by grace is ongoing. It never ends. And those words present to us a promise and a challenge. The promise is that we are empowered by grace. The challenge is to use that empowerment. And one of the ways that we use that is to boldly speak of God's goodness. As godly men, our women, our lives are to present the grace that we've been given. In other words, our lives should show the grace that we have received. And we encourage others to receive grace. We challenge them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then we encourage them to live for Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul encouraged Timothy to preach the word, to, to be ready, to correct, to rebuke, and to encourage. 
to be ready, to correct, to encourage, requires boldness. And boldness is not always well accepted. The Word of God can offend. It can be misunderstood. It can be misapplied. And we remember that being bold doesn't mean that we have to be harsh. We share the truth of Christ in love. As a, a pastor, a, a church leader, a, a leader in your family, or a Christian anywhere, we need to speak the truth very boldly, but with gentleness. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Going back to 2 Timothy 2 in verse 2, it says this. It says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And those words provide the second characteristic of godly leaders. See, godly leaders understand the importance of careful entrusting. Timothy. Timothy had heard Paul share the gospel in the presence of many witnesses. Timothy knew the gospel. He'd heard it over and over again, and that was actually essential to Timothy's growth. And Paul then entrusted Timothy with the gospel, with sharing the gospel. And he instructed Timothy to pass that entrusting on to others. But not just to anyone. Timothy was to entrust faithful men who would be able to teach others also. It was a careful delegation. I've said this before, but when I used to train managers how to lead and manage people, I often shared this message. A wise man or a wise manager plays favorites. In a world where everyone gets a trophy, saying that a wise manager plays favorites sounds so wrong. And on one level, I want to be clear, we do not play favorites. We treat people equally. As a pastor, a leader, a head of a family, or a manager, you help everyone develop their full potential. But... When it comes to, to grooming people for greater opportunities, or when a particularly challenging project comes along, a, a good leader often plays favorites. The wise manager grooms his hardest working, most talented people. The wise manager gives his most challenging project, projects to his or her best people. Jesus taught the truth to all. He died for all. His saving grace is available to all who will receive him. But Jesus entrusted 12 disciples. He did ministry with them. He invested in them. And even within that 12, there was an inner circle of three. Three men who Jesus very specifically invested. As a, a pastor or any follower of Christ, we share the gospel with anyone who will listen. We are there for anyone who needs us, and yet we cannot deeply invest in everyone. We only have so much time. And so we carefully choose who to invest in the most, who to give our biggest discipleship efforts on. 
And the people that you disciple will be different from the ones I disciple. And those I disciple will be different than those Pastor David disciples. See, in a church, everyone should have someone specifically investing in them. And each church member should be investing their faith in one to three other people. Timothy was to entrust men who could teach the gospel. And we do the same. We careful, carefully entrust the gospel message to faithful men and women. We invest in those who can teach others. The real man or woman of God also understands the critical nature of character. Now, character is said to be doing the right thing when nobody's watching. People are often impressed by talent. God looks at the heart. God looks at our character. And godly character is essential in leading. Beginning in verse 4, Paul provided three images in our passage. That of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. He wrote, Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown by competing, except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And, and each of those examples provides insight into the building of leadership character in a godly man or woman. And such character building often includes suffering, includes obedience, and hard work. Let's start with suffering. I don't like suffering. I put my dog down last week. Molly was my 19 and a half year old baby. It's been a rough week, but she was just a dog. Many of you in the past year or years have lost a spouse, a child, a parent. We've lost friends. Your suffering is far greater. Suffering over death causes us to long for heaven. Longing for heaven is actually a good thing. God has so much for you and I to do in this life, but longing to be home with Jesus builds godly character. It helps us have the proper priorities as we live this life. And Jesus said we would suffer. But we're not alone in our suffering. Jesus is with us. And suffering should draw us closer to God. And we, as we draw closer to God, we should grow in our faith. And that growth in our faith is magnified when we suffer for our faith. When we suffer for our faith. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 2, he said, If you suffer for doing good and endure it, this, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. Suffering happens. Christ suffered for us. He is our example. His suffering saved us. If you stand with Christ, know this, you will be persecuted. You will suffer. 
Your suffering might, become, might come in the form of mild ridicule. Or maybe you get excluded from certain things. But know that our suffering could get worse. And yet when others see us handling any suffering in a Christian manner, and to handle it in a Christian manner is to handle it with faith and humility, when other people see that, it helps to strengthen them. Paul said we're to share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Soldiers aren't supposed to get entangled in civilian affairs. And when Paul said that, civilian affairs represented the world. Instead of living to please the, the world, a good soldier pleases his commanding officer. They're obedient. Obedience helps build their character. And our commanding officer is Jesus. Our allegiance is to him. And if our allegiance is to Christ, it follows we should be obedient to Christ. In other words, we follow his rules. Verse 5 says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. For the Christian, our obedience is demonstrated in following God's rules, the Ten Commandments. And we follow Jesus' summary of the Ten Commandments, that is to love God and to love others. Paul's third image was that as a farmer. He wrote, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. We're saved by the free gift of grace. We do nothing to earn our salvation. But our response to the gift is to work hard for the gospel. And Mary and I visit Branson, Missouri several times a year. And when we go there, we often like to stop by the College of the Ozarks. The College of the Ozarks is a Christian college. It is a patriotic college. It's a free college. Those who graduate from the College of the Ozarks have no student loan debt, and that's because the College of the Ozarks is also known as Hard Work U. Every student who attends the College of the Ozark works during the school year and some over the, other, over the summer for the school. And their work pays for their tuition. Hard work is rewarded. No tuition. It's the same in Paul's example of the farmer. It's the same with a, a Christian leader. Our hard work is re rewarded. We're blessed. We often get to see God use our hard work to make a difference in somebody's life. And that's incredible. Hard work builds character. But as in all things, there must be balance. The, the pastor who neglects his family for the ministry is not leading with godly character. The man or woman who works constantly to the neglect of their family is not providing a good example. The retired volunteer who serves but never rests will grow weary. Paul's last words of our passage say this, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul wanted Timothy to study what he had heard from Paul. And those words are our assignment for this week. Think over what Paul said in this passage. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7 through 7 and read it again. And read it again and then read it one more time. Let it soak in. 
Jesus will help you understand. God will challenge you to live by the strength of Jesus' grace. You're a leader. We are all leaders. God has put a Timothy or a Teresa in your life. They've put, he's put someone or maybe several people who specifically need your faithfulness, your discipleship. They could be a friend, a relative, or someone you know from work or school or your neighborhood. Help them grow in faith by sharing your faith in words and in action. Teach them to lead others and love them. And never forget this. We don't do it alone. We have Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus will guide you and strengthen you. He will pick you up when you fall. He will be with you through the joys, the challenges, and the hard times in life. Jesus will never, ever, ever leave you. And that gives us the strength to be real men and women of God.